Come on, give yourselves a hand. You made it this morning, cold, wet, and rainy. You made it, man. We are going to have a blast today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, love, love that song so much. Um, I think there's so much power when you begin to declare um, the love of God over your life. I think we all need a reminder sometimes. And um, I, th I think about in worship, I thought about this today, that when we begin, when we begin to take for granted times of worship like that, we will begin to take for granted the majesty of God. We will begin. Worship is an opportunity to acknowledge the majesty of God. That's what those moments are about. It's not about guitars and musicians and singers. And while we have some of the best around, and I truly believe that, I just, it's about the majesty of God and going, God, how you love me. How you love me. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense, but God, I will acknowledge it in this moment. And so I just want to encourage you right off the beginning, this is not part of the notes, this is free, <laughs> that to, to, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've submitted your life to Jesus, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to increase your worship level. Increase your worship level. Like, what does that look like for you? I don't know. I'm not you. I can't answer that. But increase your worship level. I promise you the intimacy and the, and, and, and the appreciation for the majesty of God in your life will exponentially explode. Because the more you spend in his presence, man, the more it changes everything. Hey, we're in this series called It's Complicated. We're in week two. We're going to spend all this month and into the first week of March uh, talking about this topic. And it's about relationships. It's about no matter where you are, if you're married, single and looking, single and couldn't care less, um, uh, if you're uh, divorced, separated, no matter where you are in the spectrum, uh, we're talking about what the Bible has to say about relationships. And we're really going to hang out today in Romans chapter 12. As you can tell, I'm going to try something different today don't don't and, and, and don't take away like hey there's something wrong with him is he okay no no I'm good I'm fine I feel great I just like to switch things up sometimes and so I'm gonna try I did good at 830 right Shaniqua I did good at 830 uh, I stayed seated and I taught and and I want to do that today and I'll, I'll tell you why in just a minute but I want, to, I want to let you know a couple of things as you're turning to Romans chapter 12 uh, today. Uh, I want to let you know a couple of things. Number one, uh, at, in each week of this series leading up until week four, all right, week four will be the last time, um, but we will have a questions box at the back of the auditorium here in Columbia and in Florence, okay? And we want you, there's, there's cards there, just write down any question about love or relationships that you have. No question is off limits. It doesn't mean we'll answer every one of them. We will certainly try. Uh, to answer as many as we can. We'll answer those on the last week of this series. My wife and I will be on stage together answering questions. It's honestly where I think I thrive the most is, is Q&A and conversational type stuff. And um, we'll do that. And at our marriage one day, uh, how many of you know that sometimes when you're married, you just need to get in a room full of married people and have married people conversations that you can't have with everybody? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to hear somebody just give you an outside perspective to make you think a little different. Uh, maybe you can have a conversation there that you couldn't with others. And we open up that opportunity. We've been doing this for a couple years. Um, and, and registration is wide open right now. Uh, we've had registration 
registration's rolling in all week long. We want you to get involved. We want you to get registered for that. It's going to be a great time. There's always a lot of laughs, a lot of good food, and some really good biblical wisdom there as we just have married people conversations. Last thing I want to let you know about, and I just feel like the Lord told me to tell you, Valentine's Day is on Tuesday, y'all. Like, I'm kidding about the Lord telling me to tell you that, but like Valentine's Day is on Tuesday. So if you ain't already figured it out, get to work today, okay? Like wait till after the message, like don't start Googling stuff while I'm preaching, okay? Wait till afterwards, like whatever, but Valentine's Day is Tuesday, okay? Ladies, don't forget the men. And men, if she tells you she doesn't want anything, let me give you some advice. Don't you fall for that trap. It is a trap, it is a bear trap, it is a bear trap. It will grab your foot and you will not be let go. She will be fine in those 24 hours, but six months from now, it ain't okay. I'm just telling you, and ladies are like, don't you, don't you stereotype me, I'm not. I'm speaking from wisdom right here, this is truth, right? No, don't fall for it, don't fall for it, don't do it. Today, I wanna have a conversation. I wanted to be more conversational today about an idea that um, I wanna give you some, some practical handles of biblical application into your relationships today. No matter where you are, no matter where you are in this thing, it, it's, it's, it's these ideas that we can begin to live out. If you're single, you can begin to develop. If you're married, we can begin to focus on. If you're engaged, you need to know before you get married. All this stuff that's going on. And one of the things that I, I wanna talk about, and it's, it's complicated, is love is complicated. Can we just acknowledge that? Like, it doesn't matter how in love you are. It doesn't matter how infatuated you are. Love is complicated, but love is not complicated because it was meant to be. Love is complicated because you're complicated. Right? Love is complicated because I'm complicated. I know I'm complicated. Listen, y'all ain't telling me nothing. I'm complicated. I know I'm complicated. Like, I like routine and rhythm in my way. Come on, praise God. And anybody that's saying they don't, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Like, I know that, but I have to compromise, which makes it complicated for me. And then my wife has to learn me, which makes it very complicated for her, right? And, and we have to get in these things. And here's what else makes it complicated. You and I, we are all products of our experiences and our environments, so you're, every one of us internally have begun to develop an ideology and a mindset, not just about relationships, but about life, politics, life, how we love people. You know, the, our neighbor next door is skewed by what somebody else told us about them and church. Maybe your ideology of church has been skewed by experiences you've had with other people that commit to a church. You know what I'm saying? Like we create these, what we call mindsets or these ideologies, and it's all based on what you've been told. It's, it's based on what you've seen, and it's based on who you've surrounded yourself with. Nobody in the room is, is, is immune from that. Nobody is exempt from that. We all carry around this mentality in our lives that, that dictates and changes the way that we treat other people simply by, simply by what we've done, what we've seen, and what we've been taught. Some of those mindsets, some of those ideologies are very healthy. 
Some of them you've seen throughout life what it looks like to be a healthy husband and a healthy wife and to have a healthy marriage and be a healthy parent and all these. And some of you, you haven't. Some of you, your mom or your dad wasn't even present in your life growing up, so you don't know what it looks like to be a mom or a dad. Some of you, you didn't, because one of them was absent throughout your life and you didn't have that example, you don't even know what it's like to be a husband or a wife because you weren't in a house where that was prevalent and present. Some of you, you, you grew up and you saw what that looked like and you watched what it looked like for your, uh, a dad to love your mom so well. Some of you grew up with that. You get what I'm saying, though? It depends on what you grew up in and the environment and the experiences and what you chose to believe. Some of you and some of us, our ideologies of love was developed by Hollywood more than it was the Bible. It was developed by, 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 by movies and by whenever the first love at first sight and your soulmate comes along because there's only one person for everybody. And if you get it, I mean, let's think, talk about that for a second. If you get that wrong and there's only one person for everybody and you married the wrong person, you just messed the whole world up. <laughs> the whole world is thrown into this tailspin. But ideology and Hollywood, you know, it's, it's, it's fantasy. Disney has made millions off of this stuff. And we've been treated or taught this stuff based on our ideologies have been based on these things. And here's the truth, we can carry, you're going to carry, no matter where you are, and you're going to carry these mindsets into your relationships. You're going to, it's going to happen. And if, if you're single today, I wanna encourage you. The truth is, if you're single today, you got an opportunity to fix harmful mindsets before it diminishes or destroys someone else and continues to destroy you. Here's the other side, right? If you have a very, very healthy mindset about things, it gives you an opportunity to solidify those things and figure out what it looks like in your marriage, right? And the truth is, is we gotta figure out what in the world does this even look like? And so my goal today is that I wanna give it, I wanna debunk some myths and mindsets in our lives about relationships, and I wanna give handles on how we can live this thing out starting today. I want to make it that practical for you. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, it's a passage of scripture where in verse 1, it begins talking about worship and how our lives are worship to God and all these things. And then in verses 2 through 3, it talks about change and it talks about your mind. Watch what it says in verses 2 through 3. And do not be conformed to this world. I know that's a teenage scripture. It's only for youth pastors or youth ministries, right? No, here's, here's what the writer's saying. Don't become like everybody in the world. You don't have to think like everybody else thinks. Come on. You don't have to believe the same things everybody else believes. You don't have to stand for what everybody else stands for. And guess what? It's okay. It's okay if you disagree. Like, I'm excited about our next series coming up already because I just want to talk about that idea for a few minutes. It's okay for you to think differently than somebody else. Did you know that? That is, wow. You don't have to become like everybody else in the world. You don't have to change. You don't have to compromise your values and your beliefs and your faith based on the world. In fact, watch this. If this is what you base your life on, why are you worried about everybody else anyway? Now, here's the truth. Watch this. 
I can't make you believe the Bible. If you want to live by the Bible, that's your decision, not mine. I can't change that. I can't make you do it. I can teach you what the Bible says, but you have to decide whether you want a Savior or you want Jesus as Lord. Because when he's our Savior, he gets us out of hell. But when he's our Lord, we submit our lives to him, and this becomes our rule book. This, not, not rule book, I'm sorry, that's a negative connotation. This becomes our guide. And I don't get to take away, I don't get to go, you know what, God? I don't like that. You know what's great about that mentality? God didn't ask you. He didn't ask. He didn't go, hey, what do you think about me adding this in there? Well, times change, Pastor. Yep. God don't. The Bible clearly states, I am the same yesterday, what? Today and, and forever. I never change. God never changes. His values don't change. His systems don't change. You have to decide. I have to decide. If I want to live for God, then I don't get to add a but to the end of scripture. But I don't agree. Doesn't matter. What do you want to live by? I want God to bless me, but I don't want to live by that. Then you don't want God to bless you. You want what God has, not who God is. It's a big difference. Are you with me today? Come on, we're getting into it. We got to decide that. He says, you don't have to be conformed. You don't, you don't have to live in the world because I've already given you a book. I've already given you my love letter. I've already given you the Bible. In the Bible, you don't worship the Bible, but you learn from it. You worship God. Come on, y'all got real quiet. You learn from it. I get to look at it and go, this is what I form my life on. And if the Bible tells me that's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible tells me I should, I should. The Bible tells me I shouldn't, I shouldn't. And it doesn't matter. We have to get to a place where it doesn't matter the outside pressure of the world. I will not be conformed because I personally, Brandon Goff, have chosen to live my life based on the scriptures. You don't have to. It's your choice. I can't make it for you. But I've submitted my life to God. I'm not trying to get out of hell. I'm trying to live a life for my father. I'm trying to live a life for the one that gave his life. And because of that, I will listen to the scriptures. And so that's what it's saying, what the writer is saying when he says, don't be conformed to this world. You don't have to do that. You can, you can live like God. And then he says it like this. Let's keep going. But be transformed or changed by the renewing or the being made new of your what? Mind. Well, why should I do that? So that you can prove or be the evidence of what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I love what the writer is saying here. He's saying, listen, unless you change your mindset, life change is not fully possible. You cannot become the physical evidence of the will of God in your life and in the life of others until you allow your mindset to change, until you allow him to change. It starts with a submission internally, and it continues with a transformation of the heart. It Here's what he says. He continues in verse 3. For through gra the grace given to me, I say to everyone, everyone, he's going, I'm telling everybody. I'm screaming it from the mountaintops. I'm saying to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. So when I think I'm right, when I think I get to add a butt to the scriptures, I'm thinking real highly of myself. 
Hey, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way church ought to be. This is the way that this ought to happen. This is the, I'm thinking real highly of myself. And the scripture's warning us. He's going, listen, in order for your mind to be changed, you have to quit thinking that you know everything and understand you're not, you're not God. You're not God. I'm not God. In fact, our mindsets should change and mature based on our proximity to God. The more we spend time with God, the closer we are to him, our worship ought to look different, our prayers ought to be, uh, sound different, and our mindsets ought to lead us different. I don't, I, don't, I don't live and lead the same way I did when I started Radiate 10 and a half years ago. You know why? I've spent more time with God. I've, I've been in those moments. Experience and environment has changed my mindsets. If my mindset is not pliable, life change will not be a reality for you. It's just, it, I'm, I'm talking script. If you're mad at me, it's in the Bible. I didn't say it. That's what he said. Y'all remember that script, that, that series. Ought not think more highly of ourselves. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to debunk a few mindsets today. We'll see how many we can get through, right? <laughs> last week, we got through one. If you missed the other two points of the message last week, it is on podcast. You can go back and listen. But today, I want to look at some common mindsets and common myths about relationships and what that looks like and what that means and, and, and how we can live out our relationships to make a difference. And maybe it means changing our mindsets. In fact, mindsets will bubble to the surface sometimes, even when you don't want to. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to do well. Paul even says it. You know what he says? I try to do that which I want, which is good, which I know I ought to do, but I don't. And I do that which I know I shouldn't. The apostle Paul, I think it's one of the most relatable verses in the Bible. God, I'm trying to do what's right, but I just can't. Why? My mindsets are bubbling to the surface and things are shifting for me. But it's a journey of becoming right with God. We call it sanctification. It's becoming holy with God. Watch this. Sanctification is not an event. Sanctification is not a time on the calendar. Sanctification is not a moment where you pray and God just goes, you're perfect, congratulations. Sanctification is when Paul says, I die to myself daily. Sanctification is the process of flesh no longer having control, but my spirit having control. It's the process of becoming like God. Here's some common mindsets. I'm not going to go through these in, in total. Um, as I went through and I asked on social media and I had conversations with people to prepare for this message, this is all content that I got from you, people that are sitting with you today, that we're trying to answer questions and help. Here's some mindsets, some dangerous mindsets, if you will, because some are good. Here, here's one. I can do it without anybody else. I can do it by myself. I, I can do this by myself. Oh, yeah? Keep that mindset and you will be doing it by yourself. In fact, let me, let me put it like this. If you can do it by yourself, why don't you just go ahead and decide not to get married? No point in dragging anybody else through it. And maybe that is your future. Maybe that is what God's called you to. And there's nothing wrong with being single. Hear me. There is no stigma on being single, single even for the rest of your life. There's nothing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Online, I don't know if y'all heard that. Yeah, they said amen. Uh, that tickled me. I love you, LJ. Um, 
If you can do it by yourself, then do it by yourself. Don't hurt somebody else in the process. Don't go into a marriage trying to be all about you. Here's another mindset. You fall in line with me. Or, hey, you got to meet my needs. No, we, we don't. No, 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 no. I believe there is a biblical hierarchy. I do believe in that. I believe there's a biblical structure. God is a God of structure. Look in Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation. He's a God of structure. If you think God builds something for us to just do it however we want, you're crazy. You didn't read the same Bible I did. God is a God of structure. But it also doesn't mean that one, one, gender, um, one gender of male lords over the other. It means that there are specific roles in the marriage that each has to play in order for a marriage to work correctly. And you play it, watch this, this is crazy, together. You don't lord over anybody. Nobody falls in line. Yes, you meet their needs, but they meet yours. You work together. And, and, and here's one. Marriage is 50-50. Wrong. Marriage is 100-100. If you're giving 50% of your marriage, where's the other 50% going? That scares me. You gotta give 100% to your marriage and they give 100% to your marriage. Let's dive into a couple of these. Here, here we go. Here's one that I hear all the time and that you brought up uh, that you'd like to debunk. Uh, it's one phrase, two different ways. All we need is love. All we need is love. You got it. All we need, okay, anyway, sorry. Or this one, and it, it, it is the same phrase, but one's more positive than the other. All we need in love is love, or I fell out of love. Can we just get something under control? Love is not a feeling. It starts with a feeling that is called attraction. And don't marry somebody you're not attracted to. Well, let's get that. It's okay to be attracted to people. You need to be attracted to your spouse. It starts with a feeling, but feelings fade. Feelings fade. Half of you, when you woke up this morning, you were in a bad mood. And it was for no reason other than you woke up. That's it. Let's be real. My hope is that feeling has faded. If it hasn't, we'll pray for you. No, hopefully that feeling has faded and now you're more joyful. And you're laughing and you're good and we're, we're okay and I'm enjoying, that's a feeling. There will be moments in your marriage, hear me, whether you're married now or will be, you don't feel like loving the other person. It's going to happen. Feelings fade. Here's what, here's what love is. Love is a commitment to work. It doesn't mean you despise the other person. It just means you don't feel like being committed sometimes. You just want to be selfish. We're humans. We're complicated. Love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment to work. Look at one of the most popular uh, scriptures on, 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 on love. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Half of you, you've been to enough weddings, you've heard it. It's in your, it's in your living room for half of you. Like it's just on a, you know, it's right there. You see it every day. Let's read it together and then we're going to talk through it real quick. But it, it's, it's verses 4 through 8a is what I'm going to do. But here it says, love is patient. Love is kind, y'all can say it without even looking, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. You ever been in those arguments where you forget what you're arguing about until they bring up something from six months ago? 
And you're like, you can't remember what I said yesterday, but you remember that. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Does not rejoice in righteousness, unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Watch this one. Endures all things. Love what? Never fails. Endures all things. You know, you don't usually endure something that you enjoy. I endure the gym. I enjoy it about once a week. I enjoy, endure eating healthy. I enjoy it none. Swiss cake rolls are good. Come on, praise God. You get what I'm saying though, right? Here's the thing. Love is not bad. I'm not trying to get that. Love is not bad. Marriage is not bad. In fact, marriage is amazing. It's one of the greatest gifts you'll ever partake in. It's incredible to have somebody that's always by your side. But if you think love is a feeling, then you didn't read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 very well because none of that is a feeling. All of that is commitment and dedication. You, if you're going to be patient, you're committing for the long haul. If you're enduring, you're committing for the long haul. If love is kind and not jealous, I don't know about y'all, I don't always feel like being kind. Especially when I've said something 17 and a half times. And then you're on that 18th time and you're like, I, y'all know what I'm talking about. Same thing. And y'all are like, yeah, I got kids too. No, I'm talking about marriage, y'all. I'm talking about marriage. Listen, ladies, if you told him to take out the trash and he said he wouldn't a minute, don't remind him six hours later. It's okay. He'll get to it, okay? Some of y'all figured that out on the way home. Commitment is this. Commitment is staying the course even when the feelings have faded. Staying the course. Now, now listen to me. I'm not talking about committing. Committing whenever somebody has disqualified themselves from your love. And I'm not, and I'm not even talking about they, they stopped working out and they stopped doing... No, 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 no. I'm talking about like real disqualification of abuse. I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about criminal activity. I'm talking about those kinds of things. That's, I'm, I'm, those are exceptions. They should not be the rule, right? Those are exceptions to love. Those are, those are moments where you need to figure out with a counselor and a spiritual advisor what you need to do to handle that correctly and, and well. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about that when I talk about commitment. I'm not saying stay in an abusive situation. I don't think anybody should do that. I would never invite somebody to do that, and I would put you in touch with law enforcement and a counselor to get help through that. So I want, every, I want to be clear, because that hasn't always been fully understood. But I want to be clear with that. But what I am telling you is relationships go through seasons, guys. Listen, I love my wife. Great. I would, my goal in life is to make her feel like a queen. Like, I want to spoil her. I am attracted to her uh, inside and out. I love her. She is my queen, but I don't always feel like loving her right I just don't. Sometimes I don't want to read the text messages. Come on. Sometimes I don't want to hear the stories. Sometimes I just want to go home and sit in my recliner. I don't want to make dinner. I don't want to fold the glass. I don't want, I don't want to. Why? I'm complicated. Some of you are the same way. But I go home and I hear the stories. And I read the text message, and I love it. And I'm using very broad blanket examples, but you fill in the blank. 
Sometimes I don't want to cuddle. I just want to watch football. <laughs> but she, she's going to be in this next service. But I am going to say it the same because she's expecting it, I'm sure. But the truth is, is like, it doesn't matter. Love is not based on my feelings. Love is based on my commitment. Maybe you've fallen out of love, fallen out of love. If you fall out of love, it means that you accidentally fell into it to begin with. It wasn't strategic and it wasn't committed and now I'm just, oh, whatever. They, they're not as cute anymore. Welcome to age. I'm just... <laughs> Right? Y'all, yeah, I don't know if another preacher is going to tell you that, but here's how you can. <laughs> so much I want to say. Here's how you can feel love again, or you can be in love again. Make date night a priority. Me and my wife, unless it's extreme circumstances that we have talked about ahead of time, every other week, every other Friday night is date night. We invest in a babysitter. Every now and then, there's people that are kind enough to go, don't pay us anything, we'll watch it. And I'm like, praise the Lord, thank you. <laughs> you know, but no, no, no. We, we invest in a babysitter, we go out nice, we dress up for each other, we look good for each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, make dang not a priority. Try to impress each other. Here's, here's another one. Get in better shape, but not for them. For you. Like, you don't have to go to the gym every day of the week and all that. But get it, like, science says you feel better about yourself and you're more productive whenever you're healthy. Your hormones are more balanced. You're not as moody. Praise the Lord. You know, all those things. Why? Because you're healthier. You're eating better. You're not eating junk. You're working out. You're active. You're like, that stuff matters. You know what I'm saying? And again, I'm not talking about for them. I'm talking about for you. For you so that you can love you more. Pray with and for them. Pray with them. It's hard, to, it's hard to really be bitter at somebody you're praying for. And then, like, go to a counselor. If you need a counselor, go to a counselor. My wife and I see a counselor all the time. But it's not because things are wrong. It's because we don't want things to go wrong. Go, go, go talk to a counselor. Like, get it. Here, here's the second one. I, I want to give you another one. So the first one was, all we need is love. We fell out of love. That's a, that's a myth. That's not true. Here's one that's a dull, dull moment for you. Men and women are different. It's duh, right? Nobody is going to argue that. Watch this. You have to understand how men and women are different. Specifically, you have to understand how you're different from, from your spouse. In fact, I, I encourage this all the time. Go, go grab this book right here and learn what your love language is. Because if you don't know your love language and they don't know yours, you'll be speaking German and all they understand is English. And then you want to know why doing the dishes means nothing to them, but whenever you just sit down and watch a movie for 10 minutes and put your arm around them and cuddle them, they, they love that. Why? Physical touch is their, is their love language, not acts of service. For me, don't do the dishes. Go buy me something. I like things. I don't know why. You know, like, you got to understand. Who doesn't have this book? Who does not have this book? Somebody raise your hand. Right, right, right over here. Here, I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna toss it to you real quick. Boom, there you go. Y'all give it up for them. It's a great book. Great book, great resource. You can go online and find the book. Or the resources to figure out what it is. Here, here's some things about men and women. We're gonna, we're gonna get to a scripture and we're, we're gonna pray out here in a second. Here's some things about men and women. Men, I want you to think about men and how we think about things. Men are like a dry spaghetti noodle. 
follow me. Don't get ahead of me. Follow me. We are point A to point B. We are just straightforward. We are just there. Most men, not all men, most men. We're just right there. Here's what women are. Dump the whole pack in a boiling water. And then you dump the water out. It is a jumbled mess of spaghetti noodles. Everything is connected. You know why they can recall something three months ago? Because what you just said made their feelings hurt in a way that it did three months ago. And now it's all connected again. Here's what men can do. Men can compartmentalize everything. We think of our lives like shelf, like drawers. We got a top drawer, we got a middle drawer, we got a bottom drawer, we got a drawer over here, we got a small drawer, big drawer, we got all these drawers. And we put everything in it. We put the argument we just had with you in a drawer. Over. We compartmentalize everything. Women's lives are like a drawer set like this. There is no bottom on each drawer. You put it in the drawer and it falls down on top of everything else. Come on. The, tr <laughs> the truth is, men are very good at disconnect. Most men, most men, I'm not trying to stereotype. Most men are very good at disconnecting emotions from content. I tell my staff all the time, if I'm having a hard conversation with you, it has nothing to do with you personally, but everything to do with professionally. I can make that distinction. The more females I hire, the more I really, listen, they were, they're ready. <laughs> the more females I hire, the more it's hard for them to make the distinction. Why? It's all connected together. And that is okay. But if we don't realize it, we think the men are, you can think the men are being disconnected and don't care about your feelings. But men, if we don't realize that everything is actually combobulated together and this feeling makes this feeling and now they're crying in the closet about shoes that don't fit instead of the argument you just had and you don't understand how it happens and if you don't understand that, you'll look at her and be like, what are you doing? Suck it up. Let's go. For us, argument's over. We're good. For you, you need about six hours or whatever it is. I'm being dramatic on purpose. Neither is wrong. But if we don't understand it, here's, here's another one. Men are created to hunt, to chase. Here's the problem with hunting. When we get the prize, it's over. We go hunt something else. If you're deer hunting, you find the deer, you get the deer, you bag the deer, you go back on another chase for another deer later. Women are created to be pursued. They want to be chased. They want to be hunted. They want to be pursued in the right way. When the pursuit stops, when the I do's begin, then we'll, you will start chasing something else. You will. And females will go find pursuit from something else. It's called dopamine. That's why we're addicted to our phones more than we are spouses. Every time you get a like on social media, do you know what they say? It is the same as a drug hit. We're addicted to a hunt, but you gotta keep the hunt going. Pursue your wife, pursue your husband, pursue them with everything you have. Make it a challenge to make them more attracted to you tomorrow than they are today. To let them know you love them more today than you did yesterday. 
Sometimes that's through words. Sometimes that's through actions. Sometimes it's chocolates and flowers, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a text message. Sometimes it's sexual, and sometimes it's emotional. Whatever it is, pursue. Because here's what happens when we don't understand the differences, and here's what happens whenever we lose the pursuit. There's a story in the Bible of Esau and Jacob. Esau was a hunter. He'd go chase the, the game. Jacob was a cook. He created the stews and stuff. Esau was out hunting one day. He comes back to the house. Jacob's cooking. Smells great. Esau walks in the house. He's had nothing to drink, nothing to eat for however long he's been out on the field hunting. Esau walks in and he goes, I'm famished. I'm about to die of thirst and starvation. Give me some of that stew. And Jacob, being the con artist that he may is and the opportunist that he is, he looks at Esau and he goes, okay, I'll give you a bowl. Give me your birthright. Here's the importance of that. Your birthright was your future. It was everything you had invested in. So Jacob goes, give me everything about your future and I'll give you something now. And here, here, here's the dilemma. <laughs> because he was so malnourished, he thought he was going to die anyway. So Esau goes, fine. What good is my birthright to me? I'm about to die anyway. So they make the agreement. They develop the pact. And he begins to eat the stew. One bowl, two bowl, however many he eats. And now Jacob walks away with everything Esau would get in the future. And Esau gets nothing. But he's not going to die. He's going to live, but with nothing. He traded what was important for what he felt was immediate. There are way too many marriages. There are way too many relationships. There are way too many people that because our life is not based on God, because we have the wrong mindsets and things are difficult and it's complicated and we don't understand how each other are different and life should not be this way and I just don't get it and I don't understand it and we trade the immediate. I mean, trade the important for the immediate. That's where extramarital marital affairs begin. It's where pornography addictions begin. It's where drug addictions begin. It's where financial stress and debt begins. Why? I want it now. And we live in a society that is more obsessed with now than later. I want it now. I don't believe that I want to live that way. You don't have to. But understand, you're going to sacrifice what's important for what you want immediately. And what I don't want to happen, what I do want to happen today, I mean, is I want us to walk out of here and go, man, there's some mindsets in me that have to shift. I've got to sacrifice the immediate for the important. I love my spouse, my future spouse, my current spouse. I love God. I don't want to think more highly of me than I think of him. I, I want to do this thing right. And what I, I'm tired of watching, if I'm completely transparent today, is people go, give me a bowl of stew. Because I'm going to die anyway. You're probably not. It's never as bad as it seems. You're going to be okay. Stop betting your future. Because you think it's just too hard right now. Man, let your mindset create a transformation on the inside of you that only God could navigate because the important 
is better than the immediate. Will you bow your heads with me today? We're going to pray and then I'll give you a couple things. If you're in the room today with eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you, if you're here and you, and you say, I have a mindset that needs to change. Personally, in your relationships, how you see things, whatever it is, right? But I need God. If you'd say, I need God and the Holy Spirit to grab a hold of me and transform my mind today. I need that so bad because I want real change for him. If that's you, I would love nothing more than to pray with you. Just like I did with so many that raised their hands at the 830 service this morning. If that's you, will you hold your hand up right where you are with me and say right here, God, grab a hold of me. Renew my mind. Transform my life. Change me. Come on, hold them up high. Be proud of it. Be proud of it. All over the room. God, you see every single hand that is up. And God, you even see the hands that are too ashamed to be up. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would encapsulate and imprison us in such a way that mindsets begin to change. Sanctification takes place. And we would be transformed or changed by our minds being made new. Maybe our spouse isn't that bad. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's not us. Maybe it's just a mindset that we need to I don't know. But God, just move in us. Change us. Let us bind our lives on the word of God and the person of God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love us right where we are, but entirely too much to leave us there. And today you are going to grab a hold of the chains of the damaging mindsets. And God, you're going to break them. And we're going to begin to experience real freedom in love and relationships. We love you. We honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Can you put your hands together for life change in the room today? Real quick, before you leave, I want to encourage you one more time. Sign up for that marriage one day. Go ahead. Reserve your spot. On the way out, you're going to get some invite cards. Invite cards change lives. Go ahead, grab those. Let's hand them out. Let's pack the place. I love you, Radiate Church. Let's go change the world. We'll see you next Sunday. Love you.